When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone. Today I will be chatting with Kate Eskery. Kate is a registered nurse with her doctorate specializing in integrative health. She currently works as a health coach and a college instructor. In addition, she is the creator of the Foundation Blog, a modern woman's guide to all things slow living, integrative health, and holistic self-care. She strives to give evidence-backed, trustworthy information on integrative therapies, natural remedies, and approaches to health. In today's episode, we will talk about maximizing productivity throughout the different phases of our menstrual cycles, the evidence or lack thereof for seed cycling, and other things related to our menses. Of random note, a few weeks ago, Spain was the first country to offer a three-day menstrual leave to women that need it, which I found to be pretty fascinating. I will link more to that information in the show notes. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode. This podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Good morning, Kay. I'm happy to have you here today. Lindsay, I'm so pumped for today. It's going to be so fun. We are basically going to tackle talking about the menstrual cycle, the different phases that we have, and how we as women can basically make our lives more productive or kind of just not work against ourselves, right? Like during these specific phases, because there truly is, you know, like a science to each phase and how we feel during each phase can affect our productivity, even our workouts and things like that. So we can kind of work with our bodies. So I think this is going to be a really great episode for everyone to listen to. Yeah, I think it'll be really empowering because I think we forget that, you know, half the world is experiencing this monthly cycle, but yet we're never really taught about it on like a detailed, realistic, like how does this apply to my life level? And that's something I'm really passionate about. I've always been very comfortable around the topic of menstruation. And like in my studies, it's just what I've been drawn to. So I like to just take the science of it and then be like, okay, here's how you actually apply it and how this is relevant. Because it is, like I said, half the world has this cycle, but we don't really know how to work with it often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of women start to learn more about it once they try to become pregnant, right? Because especially if you're somebody that has struggled with becoming pregnant, you start to learn a lot more about your cycle and trying to figure out what might be going on with your body to try to ovulate on the right time and trying to keep that baby going throughout those next two weeks. Like my myself have had so many different issues over the years. And one was just like this really incredibly short luteal phase. And it was just like such an issue for me. So we tried a bunch of different things to kind of make it longer. And, you know, whether or not that was the exact issue, I'll never be sure. It was just something we kind of broke it down and and tried to figure it out and, and it ended up working. But that's, you know, not necessarily the case for everybody. So yeah, I think the next step would be to kind of, let's lay out these phases for everyone and kind of give everybody a gist of what days they occur on. Now, everybody's menstrual cycles are, of course, going to be completely different. I've gone from a 28-day cycle to after having a baby and having a 36-day cycle. And then maybe after the next baby, it's a 24-day cycle. And the average is about 28 days. And that's why everything's based on a 28-day cycle. But that might not be the particular case for everybody. Everybody's is going to be different. Yes, absolutely. And just in general, I always empower people to work with their provider, someone that makes you feel heard and listened to when you're bringing up concerns about your menstrual cycle, because we are all different. But what I'll review today is kind of like a, like you said, a general basic guideline that you can kind of pick and choose and see how it applies to you. So 
What do you think, Lindsay? Should we just get started? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I think one thing I've realized is a lot of people consider like their menstrual cycle to be like, I'm on my period and I'm off off my my period. period. (laughs) And those are the two, you know, parts of their cycle, but there's actually kind of four different chunks that we can break it into and think of. So we'll start with our menstrual cycle, our period, which is our day one. So that's when you know, when people ask what day of your cycle you're on, you'll start at day one on the first day of your period. Most of us know that. And what's happening on a physiological level here is the shedding of the uterine lining that was building up for a potential pregnancy. So during this time, your hormones kind of bottom out. And so that's why you can often feel flat. I personally feel really low energy. I need more sleep during this time of my cycle. I need more calories. I'm more hungry. So typically you need about, I shouldn't say need, but the body is going through about 200 to 300 extra calories a day during this time. So if you're feeling a little extra hungry, just know there could be a reason behind that. And so during this time, I kind of like to think of the different phases of the menstrual cycle as season. So this is like our winter. So you're kind of inward, hibernating for lack of a better term. You maybe might not feel as social, not as quick on your feet, you know, just kind of more withdrawn. However, the positives of this side, oftentimes you may feel very organized, very detail oriented. This is when I'll do a lot of like my kind of nitty gritty tasks that I've been putting off all month. It's just kind of a time where you're maybe at home having that desire to get your life more in order and more reflective and inward. So that's kind of that that first phase of the cycle. It's almost like that part of pregnancy where you're like, okay, I need to get all the stuff done. The room has to be ready. The bags have to be packed. I have to be super organized. And you're just like, but you're hibernating at home. <laughs> exactly. It's so funny, like how many things that in womenhood we experience and it's like, oh, this is just, you know, everyone nests before pregnancy or, you know, everyone does this, but it's like, there's often a hormonal reason behind that. And just kind of learning that can be, you know, empowering. And the main thing I'll say about the menstrual cycle is I'm not someone that's going to sit here and say like, oh my God, I love my period. But I will say that like learning it has given me a lot more grace around it. Like, oh, I weigh a few more pounds today. I'm bloated. My run didn't go as great as I thought. Oh, wait, I'm, you know, one day out for my period. And there's a hormonal reason for that. And there's kind of having that logic piece behind it justifies it in my head where I'm like, okay, this makes sense. And it makes it a little bit easier to accept. So once we're in that menstrual phase, typically throughout our period, we might start feeling a little bit better each day. And that's kind of as our hormones start to to raise again. So behind the scenes, follicle stimulating hormone or FASH, FSH is rising in the background and it's working to like develop the follicle for the potential egg of ovulation. And I like to think of this as our spring. So if our period was winter, this is our spring where, you know, we're kind of feeling that renewed sense of energy, the sun is shining, you know, we're feeling just a little more pep in our step, both hormonally, emotionally, we're maybe not as moody, we're maybe feeling a bit return of that social energy, more chatty. And it can just kind of bring about this feeling of clearer thinking, more energy, better coordination, feeling really creative. So during this phase of the cycle, this is when, you know, you might want to do creative work, meet with friends, that social kind of springtime energy, like you want to get out, you want to see people, you want to do things. That's kind of how I think of this phase. So that's the follicular phase, which like seamlessly transitions into the ovulation phase. So we, you know, many of us are probably familiar with the term ovulation. And this is on a body level when the pituitary is surging LH and the egg is released. And so this is kind of like peak energy. This is like summer, you feel sexy. This is like a time where, you know, we're biologically made to reproduce. So often we feel you know, a little bit more social here, charming, you know, a high sex drive, high energy. One study (laughs) I saw, it honestly shows it was like all these women wore white t-shirts, they couldn't wear deodorant or anything. And then guys had to sniff it and rate which t-shirt they thought was the most attractive, like the owner of the t-shirt. 
And it's like by and large, males can like pick up the scent of ovulation. So when they were wearing the shirt during ovulation, <laughs> like it's like we literally like smell different, like our pheromones. Oh my gosh, and that is so funny. I know. I thought that was the most hilarious I mean, study. It kind of makes sense though, right? I mean, this is just how we as I mean, any animal really, right? Like you you produce these different types of pheromones and I mean, animals make different noises during this time. I mean, it's just like how we reproduce, right? So it but it's really interesting. <laughs> if you have a link, if you can find the link to that, I would love to have it. Oh, for sure. I know. Yeah. I think I read it in the book Hormonal. I can't remember the author. It's like Marty something, but she she covered it. And I was like, that is so interesting. But I think, you know, with with cycles, it can be easy to fall into like the woo-woo category. But for me, I'm like, no, this is like, this biologically makes sense. So during ovulation, this is often women's favorite time of their cycle. Like I said, you feel feminine, you have energy, you know, you feel attractive, charming. So some things you might notice in your body during this time is like an egg white cervical mucus, kind of like clear and stretchy, similar to the consistency of egg whites. And this is really because that fluid is the optimum pH for sperm, optimum for reproduction. Again, everything around ovulation is about the potential pregnancy, about that egg that's being released. And one thing I think people don't realize is you either ovulate or you don't. Like there's no, I kind of ovulated. It's either like it happened or it didn't. So, you know, for me, I really love the ovulation phase. I feel just kind of vital and vibrant and energized. However, I personally do get some hormonal acne during this time. A lot of people maybe get swollen breasts, water retention. So again, even though this is a great time in your cycle, just be mindful of your own cycle and how you respond to these things. Like for me, I do get a little bloated and get some acne during this time. But again, just knowing for it and prepping for it, I'm like, oh, this is the norm. All right. Oh, sorry. I was just going to jump right into luteal, but anything to say on that part? Okay. So no, I I do have a few things that I think we should talk about at the very end of describing all of these. So let's go on to the luteal phase. Okay, perfect. So then this kind of final stage. So we just had summer. Now we're moving into fall. So kind of that, that hunkering down feeling, and this is the luteal phase and kind of your prize for ovulation, when I was saying you either ovulate or you don't, it's a surge of progesterone that you get. So progesterone can kind of get a bad rap, but it's really, really great for women's health. It counterbalances estrogen. It's really anti-inflammatory. And so during this time, progesterone thins your uterine lining while estrogen thickens it. So it's, it's kind of I don't know. I'm trying to describe it well. It's kind of a calming hormone. So that is that kind of fall feeling where you're coming home to yourself, that that charming social energy you feel maybe tapering down, you feel like being home a bit more. And then this is often when you'll get that PMS experience, if you do experience PMS. Um, so during this time, being shifted from estrogen dominant, which you are during the first half, that spring, summer of your cycle, to be more progesterone dominant can kind of cause an influx of, mo- of emotions, which is the result of PMS. And if the egg is not fertilized, then the progesterone will rapidly go down. And that's when we see our period. But you know, some of the things you might see during this time are feeling more bloated. And again, just kind of the logic behind that progesterone is a relaxing hormone. So the muscle tension of the uterus abdomen can be less it just kind of you're not as held in, I guess you're getting close to the menses. And honestly, for me, I am lucky enough to have kind of fine tuned my cycle where I don't get much PMS. So during this time, I just feel really like calm and zen for lack of a better word. I physically, I don't love feeling bloated or that kind of thing. But you know, this for me is just kind of a time to go inward, more time at home. This to me feels emotionally similar to my period, just kind of that more hunkering down feeling. And so at the end of your luteal phase, the corpus luteum, which is secreting all that progesterone drops suddenly, and that stimulates your uterus to contract and shed its lining and your period is there and then you're back at day one. 
Yes. Okay. Do you mind going through the phases and talking a little bit, like really concentrating on what happens? We we did talk about it a little bit, but the simple like estrogen and progesterone, like when they're coming up and when they're coming down and they, they follow a little bit of a different pattern, one peaks before the other and that sort of thing. Yes, absolutely. So w- would you want to start at day one? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So like I said, during the period is kind of your like day one is kind of the rock bottom of both progesterone and estrogen. So you're not really dominant in either of the hormones. But once you kind of get to that, you know, day four or five of your cycle, your estrogen is slowly rising and your follicle stimulating hormone. And in the background, what this is doing is trying to get that follicle, that egg that's, you know, everything is about potential pregnancy. So just getting prepped for that ovulation. So you can kind of picture it just like a big hill, estrogens rising, 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 until luteinizing hormone is stimulated around day 14, 15. And that signifies the release of the egg. So that is ovulation. And kind of once that happens, estrogen isn't as important. So that starts tapering off. And then this is when progesterone uh, progesterone starts rising because it's, you know, trying to build up that uterine lining and be prepped for a fertilized egg. So progesterone's on the rise, going, 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 going up. And then estrogen will start to rise in there as well. Again, everything is about, are we pregnant? Are we not? And then if we are not pregnant, then both those hormones drop off when they kind of reach that, that bottom level. That's when the bleed happens. Exactly. And, you know, when I was concentrating a lot on my temperature and all these different things happening during my period, because I had had a couple of miscarriages, this was right before my fourth. And I was like, really obsessed with, (laughs) I don't recommend this either, because honestly, I feel like things always go a lot better when you're not so, um, concentrated on all these different things going on with your body because it's it's really important to be aware but hyper aware is kind of like the opposite effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? But I would test my temperature every morning, you know, right before I got out of bed and my pulse like all these different things and I think there's still studies out that are determining whether or not respiratory rate and and pulse and all of those things have anything to do with whether or not you had actually conceived that month you know this is like right before you actually have a pregnancy test sometimes you can use these markers to determine whether or not you may have conceived that month before you actually see a positive result but I was measuring my temperature you know every day thereafter and your temperature will stay up if you did conceive but the second that your temp drops like you'll see a drastic temperature drop right when that progesterone hits the floor and the estrogen hits the floor. You'll see this temp drop. And that's kind of what brings on your menstrual cycle, like you're, you're bleeding. And it would be like this this pretty drastic drop from like 99.3 to like 96, you know, the next day. And I was like, oh, okay, now I'm going to start to bleed. And sure enough, like it's actually kind of, it's really cool to be that in tune with what's happening. And you may even notice it like, I had just finished my cycle and I had noticed like the day before I was like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling so hot. Like, why am I so hot? Like sometimes some people will even like sweat in their sleep and then all of a sudden it's gone and you're like, oh, my period's here. (laughs) You know, it's just really, really interesting how all the hormones kind of work together. I mean, it's truly incredible what our bodies can do to create a pregnancy and maintain a pregnancy. It's just so amazing. Well, yeah. And I feel like for so long, I would be like surprised. Like, I don't want to sound like someone that's just always had a handle on my cycle because for a majority of my life, I'd be like, oh, my period's here. Like, I was like surprised by it. You know, I had no, like, I was not in tune with my body. I didn't know when I was fertile. I was literally floored when I found out you could only get pregnant about five to seven days per month. Like, I just didn't get it. And so for me, like, I was on birth control for almost eight years, a long time, but I just had this desire to kind of get back to my cycle, really learn it. I knew I wanted kids in the next few years. And I was just like, you know what, worst case scenario, and this is where I was at in life, like worst case scenario, I accidentally got pregnant and that wasn't going to be disastrous at that point in my life. And so I got off my birth control and just like really getting in tune. And like you said, you notice maybe getting sweaty before your period, like For me, just seeing those little signs and being like, oh, 
I like I'm a runner and oh, my runs feel really, really hard, you know, in the luteal phase of my cycle and just identifying these trends. It really helped me become like friends with my body and learn it a lot more. And to be just c- completely candid, I'm, I'm currently pregnant. I'm like 15 weeks. Oh, congrats. Thank you. And so when we decided to start trying, it was like, I know when I'm fertile. I know when I'm not. I had such confidence in my cycle. I know exactly when I ovulated. And even my midwife was like, oh my gosh, we can date this baby so accurately because you know exactly when it happened. And so I have never once regretted coming off of birth control for me and learning my cycle. But in the same breath, I completely understand and respect my my fellow woman's choice to be on birth control if it's the best choice for them mm-hmm. at that time. But I have had a beautiful experience just getting back in my cycle, learning my body and learning its rhythms. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I know you had mentioned really briefly at ovulation about cervical mucus, but I think it'd be really helpful for those listening to talk about cervical mucus during each of the phases, because Mm -hmm. this can also really help you determine like if you're someone that's really confused as to like when you're actually ovulating. Once you start paying attention to your cervical mucus, and I know some people might be like, ew, but like this is all, this is just all part of it. And none of it should feel like this is part of your body and what, what helps you to become pregnant and all of those different things. So it's truly an amazing thing, just like everything else. But once you start paying attention to it, you can really start to pinpoint exactly literally down to the day, I think, when you're ovulating. Like you don't even need an ovulation test to say, hey, you're ovulating. Like you will know if you're paying attention to your cervical mucus. So if you want to just go through those, I think that would be really helpful. Absolutely. Yes. And I totally agree with you. It's like once you like start paying attention to it, you're like, this is kind of weird. This is whatever. And then once you know the pattern, you're like, oh, I don't even need to think about this. It's like second nature. So in general, you know, the the kind of four types you'll see, and people do have variations within this. So I'll kind of cover just like the main thing. But if you're dry or like sticky down there, you're not ovulating. When it starts getting a little bit more wet and watery, that could be a sign, you know, ovulation is is getting closer. And then as that continues to get a little bit more creamy, a little bit more like production, ovulation again may be coming. So it's like it starts dry or sticky, goes to like a creamy, and then as it gets more wet and watery, that's a sign that ovulation is very close. And then when ovulation is right there, it's like I said, that egg white cervical mucus. So it's typically more clear. If you got it on your fingers, like between your thumb and pointer finger and like separated your fingers, it would stretch. It's very stretchy. Whereas like the creamy or wet and watery wouldn't have that stretchiness. And when it's that stretchy kind of resembling a raw egg white, that is when you are most fertile or currently ovulating. And if you kind of just use like a month at a time, just to kind of like, you you don't have to do it every day either. You just have to do it like a couple of days during each phase, you know, as you said, like you just take your pointer finger and your thumb and you just kind of stretch it out and just see like, okay, the consistency is, you know, X, Y, and Z. You could even write it down. And this is really helpful for people that are trying to get pregnant because you can really nail down when you think you need to be having intercourse to to become pregnant during ovulation. Okay, so I think that's great. The other thing I thought would be kind of fun to talk about was talking about particular foods that might be helpful during your phases. Mm -hmm. So obviously our hormones are decreasing, increasing and peaking during these phases. And do you have like suggestions for just like a couple of foods that might be worthwhile to eat during each of the phases? Yeah, absolutely. So people, I am not a a complete expert on this. There are like straight up food plans on this. So I would definitely look into that if you are someone that's trying to regulate your cycle. But one thing that's really helped me is seed cycling. And so this was something I did like a little personal N equals one science experiment on myself because I'd heard of seed cycling and I'm like, okay, really eating nuts and seeds at certain times is going to impact my hormones. <laughs> but I went for it and I tried it a few months. And I think I mentioned earlier, like hormonal acne is something that I deal with that like painful under the chin, just like gnarly acne I used to get. 
And once I started seed circling, that faded off. And the only PMS symptom I would really get was a really intense headache that started fading off. So how I would approach that is basically the theory is eating certain nuts and seeds at certain times of your cycle. So with that, you're going to be focused on flaxseed, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, and sesame seeds. And so what I will do is incorporate about a tablespoon of each of these seeds, depending on the time of my cycle, into maybe my smoothie or on top of a yogurt bowl. And so how this looks practically is so day one, you know, start of your period to day 14. So start of your period until approximately when you ovulate, when you get that egg white cervical mucus. That's when you'll focus on adding flaxseed and pumpkin seeds daily. So again, you can throw them on top of salads, you can put them on top of soup, mix them in smoothies. That's typically what I do. Put them in your yogurt bowl. And then once you ovulate, you stop the flax and pumpkin. So you stop them. And then you transition into sunflower seeds and sesame seeds. And again, it's like about a tablespoon of each. Just mix them into whatever you choose and have those until the day your period begins. And while I haven't personally experienced this, people that have irregular cycles have had the experience of just eating the flax and pumpkins for about you know 14 days and then switching to the sesame and sunflower and it helps regulate their cycle. And again, I don't think this is a quick fix. I don't think you know the first month all your hormonal woes will be solved, but with consistency, a lot of people do have success with seed cycling. I personally had a great experience with it and it really got me to like a rock solid 28 day cycle. Like I don't really vary at all. It's like 28 days like clockwork. I'm not going to sit here and say seed cycling is the reason for that, but I do think it helped normalize where I used to be kind of 26 to 29 or there'd be an occasional 30. And I do just think that kind of helped kind of get it in a rock solid rhythm. Now, who came up with this? Who was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to start eating some nuts and maybe it'll affect my period. <laughs> like I I just like, like do you know what I mean? Like what on earth? Like these are the types of things that I'm always I'm always I always get skeptical because I'm like who even came up with this? Like why? Right. And for me, kind of like the cycle, like you know, it's like this this vague thing, but when I look behind the scenes, I'm like, "Oh, that makes sense." So like, for example, you know, seeds and nuts are great sources of magnesium, zinc, and selenium, and these are all proven to be really supportive of reproductive health. So like, one study I found that women supplemented with flax had like fewer and ovulatory cycles, like their average luteal phase was longer. Pumpkin seeds are high in zinc and zinc is associated with decreased menstrual cramps. So like when I break it down, I'm like, okay, it does make sense. But I totally agree with you. Like who was the first person that was like, on these days, we have these seeds and on these days we have these nuts. But yeah, I just kind of like doing little experiments with myself. And I love starting for me. I love starting with the natural route first. I'm not opposed to medicine at all. But I just kind of like starting with things like this, seeing if they jive with my body. And for me, I was very pleasantly surprised by seed cycling. Well, there's no downside to something like this. So whether or not, do I think that seed cycling necessarily helps treat certain conditions or anything like that? Definitely not. But if it's something that might help you feel better, you know, as far as getting PMS symptoms or maybe trying to get your cycle into a better, healthier, just a healthier cycle overall, then I think it's totally not harmful. All of these seeds are really nutritious. And like you said, they're a good source of fiber, fats, protein. I've been introducing a lot of seeds into my diet recently because I'm trying to up my protein. And honestly, it's it's a really easy way to do it. Like you said, you can just add it to your smoothie and you can literally just grind them up into there. You don't even taste them half the time. That and like nuts, obviously, just like a, a really great way to like introduce protein. But yeah, and some of them even contain phytochemicals, right? Which benefit your hormone health overall. So it can't, I mean... Is somebody coming up with this? I mean, it makes sense, right? They're really healthy for you. They're packed full of all these nutrients, which you don't even really realize, right? When you think of flaxseed, you're probably like, wait, that has a lot of benefit. And they really do. So I just, I find it all to be really, really interesting. And again, like trying it out is not going to be harmful unless you have something that 
an allergy or something where you can't have nuts or seeds or anything like that. And one thing I forgot to mention with that, like I always historically had really long, heavy periods. So like more five to six days, pretty heavy bleeding. And this, again, I don't know if this was the reason, but I, in general, my lifestyle is pretty healthy, pretty locked in. And I was still kind of having that, you know, 26 to 30 day-ish cycle And with this, you know, my cycle normalized a bit. And then my cycle did shorten from about six days to more the the normal four days with less really heavy bleeding. So again, I was kind of like, whoa, this is this is crazy. But so the biggest things I noticed were the reduction in acne, the reduction of my infamous PMS headache that I would always get one to two days before my cycle, and then kind of a more consistent, quote, normal cycle length. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have any studies that have come out that you have read on this specifically? No, I could not find any. Like, and I have looked. Most of them are just kind of like you know stories, just like mine. Like n equals one. Like, okay, I tried this. This is what worked for me. I couldn't find any on like the entirety of seed cycling. Maybe because there's like four different variables, but I could find like the one I said where like women who supplemented with flax had fewer anovulatory cycles and an average longer luteal length. Like I could find info on each of the seeds, but I couldn't Not find it in like totality. Seed cycling. Got you. Got you. I mean, I feel like that's such a. I kind of understand, right? Because we only have so much money for research and it's like, obviously there's a lot, a lot more we want to do research on that's, that's more pressing, but it would be really interesting to, to do this study. Like I want to do the study, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> totally, totally. Because I think it would be really interesting just to see what everybody's reaction to it was. But like you said, there's so many different, I mean, there are entire diets based on a woman's cycle. Like there are, I've seen, I mean, you can find literally anything on the internet you ever want to find, but there are recipes for like, hey, you're in your luteal phase. Here's a bunch of recipes that are specific for that. And it's like, wow, people have really, (laughs) I mean, I personally would never do it just because I don't know that all my kids would want to eat my period food that I'm specifically <laughs> You're like, for everyone my cycle. get on my cycle. Like, We're cycle mom, sisters. What is this? Why did you make this? Like I think <laughs> I was looking up specific foods related to your your cycle and I had come across these like pumpkin tahini balls, like energy balls. And I'm like, who even like that sounds terrible? <laughs> Right? I don't know. Like that's not really something I'm down for. But maybe maybe if I'm in my luteal phase, I maybe it'll sound more appetizing. I'm not really sure. But Exactly. Exactly. Who knows? What about and this is probably more self-explanatory than anything else, but what about workouts? Like what what do you want to be doing during each of the phases for workouts? Suggestively. I mean, I'm not somebody who would ever follow this because I'm much more of a runner, hit workout type of gal. But, you know, for those that like all different types of workouts. So what do you mm-hmm. what do you think? Well, yeah, I would say this was probably the hardest lesson for me to learn. So I ran division one track in college. I love running. I've always been kind of like, if I'm not sweating, you know, if it's not a hard workout, it doesn't kind of count in my head. And so like basically every single day, these workouts, I would try to make them very hard. And it just kind of came time to realize, like, I'm not working with my body, like emotionally, spiritually, energetically during the luteal menstrual phase, like I feel like going inward, I feel slower, I feel just like I'm kind of in this fog, for lack of a better word, but I was trying to like crank out these workouts. And so, you know, I noticed my mile pace was quite a bit slower And the biggest aha for me was, you know, a marathon I recently had fell on literally day one of my period. And it's like all my training Uh, leading up to it was so on point, so good. And it's like, I truly feel like I'm running through sand. Like it's like I can get the workout done, but it's just definitely not effortless. And so for me, I just realized my body wants to move a little bit slower during these times. And that's fine. And by forcing it, I'm honestly probably doing more harm than good just in terms of like listening to my body. So I've switched, I'll still run on my cycle. It's here's, here's one thing I'll say that's kind of a tangent. I feel like when people get into tracking their cycle, they kind of use it as like a crutch of like, Oh, well, I'm always moody during my luteal. And it's like, no, you don't live up to the expectation. It's more so like, Ooh, I kind of snapped at my partner there. Like, 
oh, I'm in this phase. It's more about like seeing the behavior and then giving yourself grace around it and knowing the reason behind it than like living up to the standard. Yeah. As opposed to being like, oh, I'm on day, you know, 27, 28. I can start to be really cranky and use it as my excuse. (laughs) Exactly. And so for me, some days like once I get in my period, actually, like day three, I actually have great workouts. I've noticed that about myself. Like my runs feel better. It's kind of that last two days of PMS, the first two days of the cycle, it ends up only being like four days. And I'm like, you know what, self, you can give yourself the gift of like, you know, going on walks, doing yoga. So to to answer your question, a very roundabout way during the luteal and menstrual phase, you may find you're more drawn towards gentle workouts, like walking, yoga, stretching, you may feel very inclined to like hit workouts and running during that follicular and ovulation phase. For me, I love working out at that time. It just feels like easy, you know, those workouts that you're like, Oh, that just felt, you know, so good. Yeah, so energized. And then there's times where I'm like, you know what, I I can tell this is not, you know, knowing the difference between an excuse and a reason being like, my body is not about to do hill intervals today. It's like it wants to walk, it wants to stretch. And that in the long run is better for my body's and hormone health than forcing it. So that's been a hard lesson for me to learn. But I think just really keying into the days in general of your cycle where a hard workout feels <laughs> very hard for lack of a better word. And giving yourself the grace to just do something more gentle and ease filled. It is, it definitely is not just you. It's hormonal. (laughs) Yes. Yes. All right. What do you think? Do you have anything else you want to add to this first section? Like, is there anything we missed? No, I don't think so. This has been so fun. I'm ready for whatever. Okay. So these are kind of more personal questions about cycles. Okay. Things to consider if you have a really long cycle. So, all right. So this woman wants to know things to consider if she has a very long cycle. So it looks like her cycles around 33 to 38 days on average. Okay. So with all of these, I mean, obviously, you know, I don't have all your health history and I'm not technically credentialed in women's health. So I'll just kind of give general ideas, but I always recommend working with your provider. But in general, longer cycles are like an indicator that ovulation is maybe not occurring or maybe occurring later. And again, that's a gross generalization, but that can often be the pattern. Again, where you're at isn't terrible. I mean, a normal cycle length, and I don't want to say normal, optimum is like 26 to 30, I'd say. But people do vary in that. So like 25 to 40. And so with that, I would say oftentimes with PCOS, you can see longer cycles. And one thing that can be really beneficial with PCOS is getting a handle on blood sugar. I'm super passionate about (laughs) helping people like kind of manage their blood sugar because with that, our hormones are very closely related to the ebbs and flows of blood sugar. So that can often be a factor, again, not the cause, but in general, a longer cycle is showing that ovulation is either occurring later or not occurring at all. Yes. Yeah. So important. So many different things that could be a a factor in this and just talking with somebody for a, a longer period of time. So saying to your provider and just telling them like, I need a half an hour with you to be able to tell you all about like whatever's happening with me and my current routine and what might be contributing to the longer cycle, especially or the shorter cycle, especially if you are having issues getting pregnant, you know, it could be a reason why is that your cycle is just off and you need to figure out exactly like what's going on with that. And one thing I'll say is it doesn't sound like this person is because it sounds like they have a pretty good range on what their normal is. But if you're like, I don't know if my period's normal, but you're not tracking it, I would definitely start because that way when you go to your provider, you can say, okay, I had a 28-day cycle, I had a 37-day cycle, I had a 33, and you have concrete information to give them instead of like, "Mm, it's about a month, you know, like giving, I would say if you feel like you don't totally know your cycle, just start tracking maybe from a place of curiosity, but it also really helps identify trends that can be really helpful in getting a more clear picture for your provider. Mm -hmm. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so someone had asked if there was research on, so I'm, I'm assuming they're talking about seed cycling, which we talked about very briefly. If you could send me the studies that you do have readily available that were like specific towards like the specific seeds, I'll take those just for the show notes. Okay, so concerns about polyunsaturated fats with seed cycling. So I have heard concerns about this. So basically, polyunsaturated fats are a type of fatty acid that, you know, can like very easily get oxidized in the body. I personally, to me, I feel like there's only so many battles you can fight in terms of nutrition. For me, I really just try to have whole foods, nourish myself. And to me, the nuts and seeds are working. I do try to avoid industrial seed oils in my cooking. So I do try to avoid like canola oil, vegetable oil, those kinds of things. And instead opt for like avocado oils, ghee, whatever in my cooking. But the seeds are an area where, again, this is, there's going to be people that hate my answer here and people that love it. There are polyunsaturated fats in seed cycling. It's up to you if you think that's a big enough reason not to do it. Or if you think, you know what, I, I'm pretty good in other areas of my life, I'm going to go for it. This is kind of one of those areas that I feel like it, it can be almost too nitty gritty, where you can find anything wrong with any food ever, I think. For me, I just really try to find clean ingredients, whole foods, that's kind of just my nutrition ethos. And for me, nuts and seeds have been around forever. I reacted well to them with my body and I try to limit polyunsaturated fats in other ways. So that's kind of my vague answer. I I totally empower people to make the choice that's best for them there. I know that polyunsaturated fats are having a moment and (laughs) I, I think they should be in a lot of ways, but for me, I just avoid them in cooking and then have them in nuts and seeds. Yeah. Yeah. So can you do seed cycling while having an IUD or birth control or would it not be as effective? So it really wouldn't be. So with that's a caveat though, because with some IUDs, you do still ovulate. So I guess it could impact that. But really the thing with birth control, I don't really think of it as regulating your hormones. I kind of think of them as like, you know, running the show. So they're synthetic versions of your hormones. They're not bioidentical. And so with that, they are kind of in charge. Like they have, they have the power. And so you could seed cycle, but ultimately a a pill is going to be a lot stronger than a nut or a seed. So I think you would just see the cycle that your birth control gives you and not really see many changes from the nuts and seeds because the pills are more powerful. So when you were seed cycling, how long was it before you saw, you know, you saw a couple of different things, a couple of different improvements. How long was it until you saw that? Was it a month, two months, three months? I would say three months, I think is what, what it was for me. And yeah, again, I don't, for me, everything I do with health, I'm not a big quick fix girl. I like to just do the foundational things well. I want to sleep well. I want to hydrate well. I want to eat well. I want to move consistently. And I kind of just took the same approach for this. Like, I'm not someone that's going to be like, oh my God, celery juice or essential oil is going to solve all your problems. But doing small things consistently really can have a game changing impact. So for me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to commit to this for, I think I said like six months. And again, you know, what's adding a few more nuts and seeds to my day. So I was going to give it six months. And after like three months, I'm like, whoa, okay. That's when I started kind of noticing the shifts in my own cycle. Yes. Awesome. What about, we touched on this briefly, but what about like how you are feeling emotionally during your different phases? Like as far as like productivity, like say you own your own business and you want to base your month off of, you know, your menstrual cycle. Okay. I want to Mm -hmm. make sure I'm planning and organizing during this cycle. During this cycle, I am doing all those things, like you said, that I need to, that I've been putting off and that I don't really want to do, or that phone call that, you know, requires me to be really confident and things like that. I think it would be cool to kind of go through it in that way. 
Yeah, I love this question because I do. I mean, again, we all can't live by the moon and live by our cycles. But when you do have say in something, it it can be really empowering. So for me, job I really, really wanted, I scheduled the interview like during my ovulation follicular phase where I'm in that charming, social, talkative energy. So that would be a great time to do podcast interviews. This is a kind of the creative zone. So writing blog posts, content creation, really kind of that like bigger picture, creative, talkative, socializing aspect. And then when you shift into the luteal phase, I think I mentioned like, that's a time maybe you're at home feeling more inclined to organize. So as a small business owner going through, this would be more like the tedious tasks, responding to emails, scheduling, looking at your finances, invoices. Like to me, I've kind of noticed an ebb and flow just naturally within my small business that like the time around my period is when I clear out my email inbox and I finally do that one tedious bank task that I've been meaning to do. And I do my financial check-in and I look at the numbers. And then during that more social time, I'm like, oh, I'd love to book a podcast episode that day. I'd love you know, to write a blog post. That feels more innate during that time. We're honestly like forcing my, I don't want to say forcing myself, but it can feel so much harder to like write a blog post when I'm in luteal and menstrual phase. Like that the creative juices are just not flowing. So instead of forcing that, I've just really leaned into that time is like my big picture planning, not big picture, the more like tedious details, planning, logistics, finances, those kind of things. Yes. I love that. I I have never been somebody that really looked into that at all. But like, for example, I am currently in my menstrual phase and I can tell because I'm like, where am I? What is happening? I cannot focus. Like I said, my previous week was so busy. I'm like all thrown off today. Like I am in like, I feel like I'm like, it's like cloudy. It's you're just not thinking straight. Like, it's just like, okay, can I just curl up on the couch and just call it a day? (laughs) Totally. No, this is where I'm currently at. But it's true. And yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. I would just say like, you know, it's one of those things that again, it, we all can't live, you know, exactly by it, but just kind of being like, oh, I'm in my follicular phase. This is when I want to like plan and create and be in a really idea centric place. Ovulation is like, I'm going to connect. I'm going to do interviews. I'm going to create here. And then when you move into that luteal phase, like, okay, this is time to like focus in, analyze and like do the logistics. Yes, exactly. Well, Kate, do you want to tell us a little bit about your small business before I dive into the last two questions for you? Oh my gosh, I would love to. So yes. So just briefly about me, I'm, I'm sure you covered this in my bio, but I'm a nurse by trade. I got my doctorate in integrative health and I just really felt a void on the internet of sharing more holistic approaches to health in an evidence-backed, responsible way. So I feel very much in between the two worlds of like modern medicine and more holistic medicine. I like doing the natural route when possible, but I like to do it safely, responsibly, look at the evidence. I very much respect modern medicine and I believe they can be used in tandem. So really my corner of the internet is about sharing resources like we've talked about today, like more natural approaches to things, but the the science behind them. And so with that, my blog, the foundation blog is the main place where I share information on that. And then I currently work as a health coach as my quote, real job full time. But my hope is to be doing a health coaching private practice within the next year or so. So for me, I just really like to share more natural approaches to health in a responsible science backed way. And if that's your thing, I'd love to have you come hang out. Awesome. I love it. Okay. So the first question I have for you, these are not based on anything we talked about today. So the first question is, if you could give one piece of advice to mothers, what would it be? I would say, trust your instincts and really tune into that inner voice of what makes you a great mom. People are great moms in different ways and what it is for you and how you show up and how you parent. Stay aligned with that inner truth and tune out the noise and know that you're doing a great job. Excellent. So true. And then the next question is, if you could make one meal for your family that everyone would eat, 
that's relatively quick and easy, what would it be? Ooh, okay. I don't have kids yet. So this is maybe a little bit easier for me, but me and my husband love to make this like basmati rice. And then it has like a coconut cilantro, like a coconut milk sauce, and then salmon on top. And it sounds complicated. And it's so, so, so easy. It's kind of like a one pan meal. So how do you make your salmon? Do you roast it? Do you like put it in the grill it? What do you do? Okay, well, we just make it over the stovetop, but we just joined, you know, the modern century and got an air fryer. (laughs) (laughs) And I just saw a salmon recipe that looked so good. It was apparently putting your salmon in for like at 400 for 10 minutes. And I was like, I need to do that next. So currently we're stovetop and now we are true millennials and have an air fryer. So stay tuned on that. Oh, yeah. You'll have to give me the recipe for that because I love like I'll love putting salmon into like one of the nights of the week, but I always go to the same salmon recipe. And to be honest, it's getting kind of boring. It's not like life changing. It's just very basic. So I'd love to try this. Yes, I will send it to you. It's so good. And then So the air fryer that you have, are you able to set the temperature like just for air frying? We are. So I (laughs) have that. Mine has like, you can put it at uh, bake and, you know, you can set your temp and then air fry is just a a different knob, but it doesn't have a specific temperature or I guess, I wonder if like, if I turned it. I thought air fry was just going to to just air fry it at any temp. Like, I don't know, like the basic temperature, but because of mine doesn't allow you to like set the exact temperature for it. But I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. We literally just got ours like a week ago. I was, I can't even tell you how much I debated this purchase because I don't like a ton of stuff in my kitchen unless I'm actually going to use it. And I, it just felt like another gadget. And then once I like ask people like, okay, what do you use it for? They're like roasting veggies, making quick protein. I'm like, okay, this does sound like it would save me a lot of time. I did get one and mine at least has temperature settings and a timer. I'm going to have to look into it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And you haven't made the salmon in there yet. I have not. That is like on our, our grocery list agenda for this week. Yeah. But I'm pumped about it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you'll have to keep me updated on how it comes out because I should try it. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Keith, for taking the time out of your morning to chat with us. This was great. Oh, I'm so honored to be here, Lindsay, and just to take the time and, you know, chat about something that as women we all experience, but maybe just don't really know how to feel empowered in our cycle and work with it. This is something I love to talk about. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug unwind and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.